0: And now we take you to Transformation Church in Tallahassee, Florida for another powerful transformational message. For more information, visit our website, transformtlh.com.
1: Welcome to uh, our kickoff series called It's Not You, It's Me. And uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Ryan, I have the honor of serving here as lead pastor. And if today is your first day uh, with us, you've picked a great Sunday uh, to be here because over the next four weeks, uh, we're going to take a look at four different aspects of God's love. And um, we're going to kind of, um, kind of steal the infamous breakup line right? That it's not you, it's me. I don't know if anybody ever ever there has ever said that or received that. You know, when when you're letting somebody know that it's not going to work out and you just, ah, it's not you, it's me. I'm just ready to move on and you know, a new direction. We're going to turn that from an infamous breakup line to the greatest pickup line of all time, because God says to you and me that it's not you. But it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. And so we're gonna learn a little bit about God's love. And today I wanna kind of set, um, set the foundation today. Uh, today's something that, that some of you have, have maybe heard of before, but I've gotta make sure that we lay the foundation before we start building on top of it. So today we're gonna talk about really... Um, Really, a key component of God's love that we've all got to um, to understand, and so I have I've um, I've titled this message um, kind of after uh, one of my favorite '80s um, rock bands, um, one of their songs, and I want to see if you can recognize it. Uh, go ahead and hit hit it up there, see if you recognize I it. Know what I mean. yeah. Come on, you know it. your cell phone I wanna feel love oh yeah some of you are like I a bunch of sinners show me. <laughs> hey. today I want to title today's message as we we'll talk about God's love I want to know what love is I want to know what love is. Well, let's prepare our hearts for God's word today. Say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are still singing that song, you bunch of sinners in church. (laughs) Uh, A few years back, um, Years back, there were some uh, preschool kids that were asked um, they were asked this question, what is, "What is love and what does it mean to you?" And uh, as you can imagine, uh, some preschool students gave some interesting and quite comedic responses, and I want to share a few of them with you today. Uh, Carl this is what Carl said that love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne. And they go out and they smell each other. (laughs) That's what love is to Carl. Love to Emily is, is love is when you kiss all the time. And then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together. And you talk more. And then she says, my mommy and daddy are like that. And they look gross when they kiss. (laughs) And then uh, I think this is my favorite one. Chrissy says, um, love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. (laughs) True love spoken by a bunch of preschoolers. (laughs) Oh, you know, someone once said that love is like a, it's like a rumor that everyone talks about it, but no one really knows what it is. And to be honest, I think that when we talk about understanding God's love, his love towards us and towards others, I think it can be kind of similar to that, that we talk about it a lot in church. We talk about it with one another. We read it in the Bible, but I think sometimes we struggle with fully understanding and grasping what his love really is. And so over the next four weeks, it's important that you stick with us. Uh, that if you can't make it, that you're watching online because every week we're gonna kind of build on uh, this understanding of what God's love is and his love and the way that he loves us is so important for us to understand that it, it, it almost becomes a key that unlocks the potential that you and I have in Christ. And so we're gonna go on this journey together. But what I've learned in my life, and you've probably recognized it in yours, is that we've got this natural tendency to view um, God's love, um, His perfect love, through the lens of the imperfect love that we've experienced in our lives. Like maybe like, like you and, and like me, that, that we've been through some difficulty, we've experienced some hurt. Maybe it was an abusive father. Maybe it was a, a, a mother that um, never really seemed to have time for you. She worked so much and, and, and the things that you long to get tucked in at bed um, at night before you went to sleep or, or, or meals at the table together that, that you don't really have a memory of a lot of those as a kid growing up. Maybe for you, it's a boyfriend or girlfriend that promised that they would love you and then they left you. Or maybe for some of you here today, maybe it was a babysitter that was, was way more than just a babysitter. Or maybe for you, it was a trusted friend who broke your heart. I'm not sure what the lens is for you that you look and perceive God's love through. But I do know this, I do know that we all have them. I do know that that we all are on a journey of removing these lenses from from our view so that we can fully see who God is and how much He truly loves us. You see, the danger of these lenses in our lives, when we look through this imperfect lens of, of love, the danger is, is that it conditions us to view God's love. And when we hear about God's love, to condition us to view it from the basis of performance or merit. Like God will love me more if I work harder, I read the Bible more, or if I pray more, or we build this kind of merit like the better person I am, the more that God might love me. And that's dangerous because what happens is, is we end up thinking that God loves us in proportion of the good things that we do or the bad things that we do. And so we develop this mindset of the better I am, the more God loves, the worse I am, the less God loves. And the reason why this is dangerous when it comes to our relationship with God is because eventually that kind of thinking leads to this idea that every bad and painful season that we experience in life is because God is punishing us for something that we've done wrong. And as a result, we spend our entire life trying to earn God's love and feeling like we're falling in and out of God's love. And friend, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul was inspired. To write this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 16. He says, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources. And somebody needs to hear that phrase, his glorious unlimited resources. Resources that I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what the decisions are that you've got to make in the next coming few weeks or months, but our God has unlimited resources. And Paul says that he will empower you with inner strength. Now think about this series that we just came out of talking about the Holy Spirit, that he will empower us with inner strength, not through our own might, Not through how good we are, not how much church attendance we we can check off on the list, but through his spirit. And, And I find this whole thing fascinating that it's coming from the perspective of a guy who for two years has been under house arrest that Paul's not kind of walking around, he's not writing this, just living a good old life, right? Like experiencing just just, um, just all the good stuff that, that, that Paul's under house arrest and he's writing this prayer for you and I. And he says in verse 17, he says, then Christ, and I love, I love how this is phrased, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. But friend, when we pray and accept Jesus Christ into our heart, that it's not just a simple prayer, but it is a relocation. Like God is relocating into our hearts, that he is making home in our hearts. And Paul says that your roots, look at this, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Visualize that for a second that your lives, your spiritual lives, that they grow down deep into God's love and that that keeps us strong. Friend, that is the transformed life. That is the process that God desires all of us to walk through constantly, that as we live for him, that as he kind of cuts off some areas of our life, does some pruning in our life here and there, that we are in our lives growing deeper and deeper into his love, becoming more interconnected with his amazing love in our lives. And he says in verse 18, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should understand it of how wide and how long and how high and how deep, like that's like all the different measurements, (laughs) all the different measurements that his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ. Paul is like, may you, like you have to experience the love of Christ. And he says, though it's too great To fully understand. In other words, you and I aren't going to always understand why he continues to love us no matter what we do in our lives, but that should never keep us from experiencing that love is what Paul is saying here. And the reason why is because when we experience his love, he says, then Then, if you got a Bible, like circle that word then. That means that when the thing that happens, and I'm not an English grammar person, so forgive me. There's probably a fancy word for what I'm about to say, but I don't know it. But what then is saying is that when what is said before that begins to happen, then this becomes the result of our lives that we will be made complete complete with all fullness of life and the power that comes from God. How many want to be made complete in Christ, complete in the fullness of life and power that only comes through him? Well, if we want that in our lives, then we've got to grow our roots deep into God's love for us. Look at the screens. The more connected we get to God, the more complete our lives become. If you don't get that part, you will spend the rest of your life drifting all over the place. The completeness in life, like for us to become all that God wants us to be, cannot happen apart from digging our roots deep into God's love. We see that in 1 Corinthians 13. We see a list of things, right? And at the end, what does it says Three, These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And then it says the greatest of these is love. Like love, God's love, understanding God's love for you and I becomes the key that unlocks all the potential that you and I have through Christ in our lives, I love to think of it in this way. I love to look at his love for us and the importance of his love for us almost like a hinge that you get off a door, right? One, one of these pieces of the hinge goes on a door and one goes on a door frame, right? And so when, they, when, you're, when you're hanging a door and when they come together like this, And then you've got this thing called a door pin, right, that slides through that when that door pin goes in, that it allows this to move back and forth and the door to stay where it's supposed to stay and function the way that it's supposed to function, right? Without the pin, what happens to the door? It falls off. It doesn't function the way that it's supposed to function, And friend, our lives with God is exactly like this. That you and I bring a hinge into the relationship and God brings his hinge into the relationship. And as much as we wanna try to align ourselves with God's heart in our life, That we want to say, God, we want all of you in our life. We want to be, I want to be, I want your power to flow through me. I want to be all that you've called and designed me to be. And that's us wanting to align our lives with God. And that's great. Like we talked about that last week that that's what renaming our church is all about. It's not about saying that the history was something that needed changed. It's all about saying that now in this new season, this new chapter that God is writing in the chapter of our church, that we wanna align our heart, our church name with God's heart, that it is, it is this, this is the reason why. And in our lives, in our lives my guess is is that most of you want your life to look like this, aligned with with God. But what we discover through His Word is that the doorpin, the spiritual doorpin in our life is God's love. And so we can be aligned as much as we want to be aligned, but without God's love in our lives and us digging our roots deeper into his love, then everything in our life seems to fall apart. Everything in our life seems to drift off course, like we were trying to go this direction and we ended up this direction. And what Paul is trying to explain to us that is the foundation of everywhere that we're going in this season is that it's one thing to want to align your life with God, but it's a whole nother thing to grow your roots deep into his love and allow his love to be the door pin that allows our lives to function the way that they were designed to function. And maybe there's some of you here today and you've been wondering like, well, like, I've been trying to do church. I've been trying to read the Bible. I've been trying to pray. I joined a a small group the last few semesters. Like I'm trying to get things in alignment in my life, in alignment with what God wants. But things are still seem to be falling apart. And my question is, is are you digging your roots, your spiritual roots into God's love? Look what the disciple John had to say in 1 John chapter four in verse seven and eight. He says, he says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. It's not something that we can generate on our own. We become a conduit that as we dig our roots Into God's love, his love begins to flow through us to other people. That's the way that we're able to love people that we don't want to (laughs) love. I know you got them. I got them in my life. Like people that have hurt us in the past. People that have done us wrong in the past. And we hear this idea from scripture that we're supposed to love all people. It doesn't mean we got to like them, but we got to love them, right? And how do we do that? Not with our own ability. Like my ability wants to get even, right? My ability wants to go on social media and let it all out. But it's his spirit. As I grow my roots into his love, I become a conduit That I don't love others based off of my ability to love. I love them based off of God's ability to love. His spirit working through us. And John says that anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Which means the opposite is true. That anybody that doesn't love... Verse 8, but anyone who does not love does not know God. And then look at this, for God is love. For God is love. Now I want to take just a few more minutes and I want to unpack these three words because this is an essential foundation for you and I to fully understand all the aspects of God's love and why we should yield and allow those things to happen in our lives. Because if we don't settle this part, then everything else doesn't make sense. You see, in the English language, you and I, we we kind of function with one word for love, right? So we go around and we're like, okay, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love pizza. I love steak. I love cheesecake. What time is it? 1125. (laughs) Like in the English language, we're, we're limited. But the truth is, is I don't love cheesecake as much as I love my wife and my kids. But that's the only way that we have to really be able to articulate it because in the English language, we have one word for love. In the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, there are four words in that language for love, two of which were not used in the Bible, but they were part of the Greek language. You've got eros, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciations of these, by the way, so I, um, that's okay. Okay. You got Eros, which is a romantic love. It's the love that, that um, is felt and expressed through a husband and a wife. You've got, <laughs> I knew I was, I needed to rehearse this before I came up here. I knew it and I forgot to do it. So, oh, I know this is wrong. This is like, so I'm like from Florida, Tennessee, Illinois, North Carolina New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Washington, Arizona. There's probably some more. So I have a weird accent. So Storgy. But maybe you don't know any better. So it sounds like it's right. Storgy is a family kind of love. It describes the kind of love that we have for our relatives, right? Because they are family. And then you've got phila, which is a brotherly love, Philadelphia, the city a brotherly love, right? Describes a kind of love of close friends. These are people that share common values and interests. And then you've got the agape love, which is an unconditional love. Now, if you were going to put all of these in order of importance, agape love would be at the top. It is an unconditional love that is not expressed based off of feelings or emotions. It is based off of commitment. Like I've made a commitment, so if I feel like it or don't feel like it, I'm in love, right? And here's the thing about this word agape is that it is always in the best interest of the receiver, It's not about me. Agape love is not about me. It's not about God. It's about the receiver. And guess which word Paul uses when he says God is love. He uses the word agape. And the reason why this is so important for us to Um, settle in our hearts as we move forward is because it helps us understand that everything that happens in our life that God allows in our life comes from a position of love and a position of wanting our best interest. Everything. Everything. And that's why when we make mistakes, that's why when we do bad things, when we break promises to God, when we say we're gonna do this and we fall short and we don't do it, when it happens over and over again, that's why when when we have these like these these struggles, the sin in our life that we want to get rid of, but we constantly are struggling with it over and over and over again that none of that disqualifies us from God's love because his love is a commitment. It's not a feeling or an emotion. And his love is agape, meaning that it is in our best interest. So my, no matter what happens in my life, whether it's good, see, we're kind of wired that, that, that only good things are for our best interest, right? Right? But in the reality from God's perspective is that sometimes there are some bad things, some difficulty, some pain that we experience in our life that he will use for our benefit. So what that tells us is that if he is fully committed, that it's not based off emotion and feeling, and if it's in our best interest, then that makes this five-letter word I'm counting in my head. I want to make sure it wasn't six letters and I said five. It makes the T word so much more critical in our life. Trust. So God, you mean like when I pray that you would intervene and I wouldn't lose my house and I lost my house anyway. Like I can trust that in the end that's gonna be for my good. Like God, when I prayed for my spouse and I was hopeful and expecting you to restore our marriage and it didn't work out, are you saying that I can trust that somehow, some way you're gonna work that out ultimately at the end of the day for my good. Or God, because my life got wrecked financially and put all this money that I was planning on using for retirement into the stock market and everything tanked and now it's all gone, that at the end of the day, like I can trust in you that as long as I am digging my roots into your love, that you're gonna work that out for my good? Like it gives that word trust a whole new like, like meaning. Like, like maybe my job isn't to try to figure it out or to get it right all the time. Maybe my job is to grow my roots deeper in God's love and trust him that the journey that he has me on and the good times and the bad times, that he's going to use that ultimately for my good because he is agape. And it's unconditional. It's a commitment despite feeling or emotion for my benefit in the long run. And then what I think is really cool about what John says is, is then he uses this two-letter word, is, like God is Love. Now, like I said earlier, I didn't do all that well in English class, but I know that there is a huge difference between God loves and God is love. Like he didn't say that God loves, which that would make sense because we would naturally say that God loves people, but he didn't say God loves. He said, God is love. And I see this this difference between the two that if God would have said, or if John would have said, God loves, then it would imply an action. It'd be an action. It would be something that that could change based off of what we did or what we didn't do. But John actually says that God is love. Love. Like, maybe what Paul said about not fully understanding, like, maybe that's like starting to come into focus now. Like, God is agape. Like, He is love, which that means that it implies an identity, right? And if that is God's identity of love, this unconditional, committed, despite feeling or emotion, for ultimately for our best interest, if that is His identity, then what do we know about identity? It doesn't change. That it doesn't change. And this is huge because John uses these three words and what he's saying is that it's metaphysically impossible for God to change his mind regarding his love for you because it's who he is not what he does, that it's who he is, not what he does. Church, this is a game changer in our lives as we walk this journey with Christ, because what we discover is, is that love isn't something God does, but it's who he is, and if you don't get that, the rest of these weeks in this message series are not going to make sense because we've got to understand that it is who God is, not just something that he does. And when we settle that in our heart, that we can rest in the fact that God is going to love us exactly the same. No more, no less, no matter how many mistakes we may make, no matter how many promises we may break church. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And maybe, just maybe, that's why the Apostle Paul, a man who had been beaten and imprisoned and robbed and almost drowned and abandoned by his friends and falsely accused and had multiple near-death experiences, felt so impressed to write these words in Ephesians 3.18. And may you have the power to understand. That word understand means to take hold of something and to make it your own. Like he says, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, like we all need to understand this reality of how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. And Paul says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, because then... And only then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The greatest achievement that Switzerland's Karl Barth, who was one of the 20th century theologians, one of the most famous theologians, he wrote this theological work that was called church dogmatics and the book contained over 6 million words and it's told that when karl barth made his only trip to the united states in 1962 that he was asked at a lecture by a student to summarize all of all of his work and karl thought about it for a moment And he paused. And his summary of all that he had written and all that he had studied was this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Church, the most famous scripture in all the Bible For God so agaped, that he so agaped the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I can't help to look at a verse like that. And to insert my own name in there. That God was so committed. That God loved Ryan so unconditionally. Despite all the good and all the bad. That I've ever done. For my best interest in the long run. And because he loved me so much. He gave his one and only son. That Whosoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Church, your name is in that too. With every head bowed and eye closed today, Father, we thank you for your love. That Lord, it is not just unconditional, but it's, Undescribable. That, Father, why we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Friend, think of the significance of that. That before you got it right, in the depth of your sinfulness, that God loved you so much that he gave up his prized possession to die an excruciating death on a cross so that you could receive not just his love, but the promise that he has for your life. With every head bowed and eye closed, maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that kind of love. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to God. You know about Him. You've been around Him. But you've never really anchored your spiritual life to his love. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer that begins the transformational process in your life. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you today, I want you to take just a moment. I want you to slip up your hand just for a second, and then you can put it back down. You are you are making a decision between you and God that today I want to receive this free gift of your love through salvation. Friend, it is the starting point. It is the starting point of experiencing all that God has for your life to fully surrender your life to him. For those of you that raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me and church families say it with us out loud. Jesus, Jesus. thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me for living life my way. Today I choose to receive your love. To surrender my life. Come live inside of me. And change me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, transformtlh.com. Transformation Church is all about helping you to connect with God, grow in Christ, and serve the church and the world. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.